Welcome, everyone. This is the Virtually Church Podcast, a podcast dedicated to thinking more deeply about the differences and values between church and technology. I'm Taylor Mason, and I'm hosting this podcast alongside Jordan Mason and Jeremy Hall. And we're back for season two. It's pretty amazing. Um, I believe as of a month or two ago, um, we had just about over 900 downloads. So thank you all for listening so much. We're so grateful uh, whether you've listened to one uh, episode, if you've listened to the whole season, we are extremely grateful and we hope that uh, the content so far has been helpful for you. In season one, which we recorded over a year ago, uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic, it's really hard to believe that it was, you know, the summer of 2020. Uh, We really laid out a groundwork for season two, which is what we're going to explore this time. So if you're just tuning in, if this is your first episode that you've listened to, we highly recommend that you you pause it real quick and go back and listen to season one. All of Um, it. Listen to all of it. And you'll kind of get some language and better understanding of what we're talking about. Don't worry. We will be right here back in your feed so you can always come back. Uh, But for season two, if you're here excited about season two, um, we're doing it because there's a lot of churches that are back in some type of in-person or hybrid style of functioning. And we thought we could get more practical about the specific aspects of church life. Uh, We want to talk about that with you and thought maybe um, what happened in season one is actually kind of now really panning out for you. Maybe what we were talking about and anticipating what would happen in season one is now actually happening in your church community. And we thought that we could come alongside and talk about some more specific things and maybe help you through the struggles to help you make a decision on how to move forward as a church or as a, as someone that's just uh, in the congregation of a church. So we have a few episodes already planned for you, like how to approach worship. That's going to be uh, today. We're going to look at small groups, maybe Sunday school classes, how churches are doing this, how you can take this context to your church and apply it. We also uh, have a cool um, episode on special needs. Um, Jordan and I have a friend that has a, um, a special needs child, and we got talking about how this kind of virtually church, this online stuff can apply to special needs families. So that's going to be exciting. And then finally, we wanted to open up the conversation with you. So we want to know what's going on in your church. What are you dealing with? What conversations are you having at your church? And how is that going? Um, We want to tailor some of our larger, later episodes based on your questions and what's going on in your situation. So uh, we want to hear that. If you want to share that information with us, that would be great. You can email us at virtuallychurch at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook. Those are two ways of sharing the conversation, or you can leave us a comment on wherever you're listening to your podcast. So we would greatly appreciate that. And we want this season to be more of a dialogue. So we're just going to record one episode a week, and then the next week we'll release it so that we can stay in conversation. So we're really, really excited. Well, that's enough of me talking. Uh, I'm also here with Jeremy and Jordan, and it's been over a year since we've been together to record something. Um, Jordan and I are married, so I kind of know how her last year went. But Jeremy, how was your last year? (laughs) (laughs) The last year has been crazy. Like, I'm sure it has been for everyone. Um, 
the the stresses and anxieties of the political landscape and the international landscape and pandemic life continue and they they shift and they evolve but they haven't really backed off any it's still it's acute but uh it's been a good year um we're pregnant again Woo-hoo. yeah we just entered the thank you second trimester uh, just recently, so we're doing really good with that. Excited about what God's doing in our family. Kid number two, right for our listeners. Yep, number two. All right, that's so exciting. That's Jordan, how was your past year for our listeners? Pretty crazy. I passed my comprehensive exams, so yeah. right officially PhD candidate. I'm writing a dissertation as of two weeks ago or whatever. So um, exciting. Glad to be on this side of that um but yeah i mean obviously pandemic challenges abound i keep thinking we're coming out of this thing right we're going back into the office and then we end up coming back home so um kind of you know mourning the loss of certain trips and Mm. weddings and parties and things like that but um on the whole i mean i've been doing all right yeah what and about you, Taylor? Taylor? Oh, okay. About <laughs> me. Uh, the past year has year and some change uh, since we first recorded has been, I think, like most people, it's been kind of crazy. Um, I discovered um, I probably don't want to be a live streaming star forever. Uh, that was a lot of work and time. Um, I'm excited that we might be able to do some new stuff in person outdoors, and. Uh, Um, I think one of the coolest things is, and what's been kind of hard is like, we're also starting to do some funerals for people, which I think is a sad part, but the fact that we can start bringing that back into our church community for some people is, you know, we had some members that had to wait like a year and a half for them to do a funeral for a loved one. So, uh, but that means we're like really busy right now, uh, and doing a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been a good, it's been a good year. Um, and a lot of great conversations about this podcast mm. uh, in our staff, at least. I'm the, making the segue into the the point. Um, it's been really cool to have this uh, this dialogue going on within our church about um, all the different forms of technology and what we can be doing. Um, and so I'm excited for us to explore this on a more practical level, just for myself and for our church, and to hear what you, Jeremy, and you, Jordan, have to say about these things and i hope it's helpful for the people that are listening so for the first episode uh we're going to take a deep dive into worship like kind of the most popular part of church right you know most people will show up to worship uh more than any other thing that our church is going to be doing and how are we navigating this hybrid style of worship so Jeremy and Jordan and and myself, we're going to be talking about some stuff that we're thinking about, and we're hoping that it will be useful for you, um, and that it can kind of like explain a little bit more about what we were talking about the foundations in season one and how to apply it to something very specific, like how do we as a church do worship in this new weird age that we're still in with the pandemic and all of that. So. I've um, been reading a lot of articles. I don't know about you, Jeremy, um, as you know, being another minister in the church, uh, if you've been reading or seeing a lot of stuff of people like, oh, uh, you know, the church is never going back. Things have changed forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, I think, I think to some degree, everybody's right. Things have really changed in a, a crazy way. I was reading one article a while back from, um, George Mason. He's a senior pastor in Texas at Wilshire Baptist church. And, uh, it was on good faith media. And he kind of said, you know, things are changing and he had a set of bullet points of things that they have changed and might never, uh, it might never go back to normal for their church. And I wanted to list them. So one was, um, worship, they cut it down from an hour to 45 minutes, uh, because, because they believe that people's attention spans online is short and a whole hour is a little too long. So they've cut the worship service down to 45 minutes. They've also cut Sunday school down to 45 minutes, and many church members have cameras and computers in this in this um, Sunday school space where you can stay at home and hop in on Zoom, or you can go in in person. Uh, he has cut reluctantly his preaching down to 16 minutes. That's what he said uh, from 21 minutes uh, due to the online services. He said that he was disappointed, but maybe most people will not be. Uh, <laughs> a nice little pastor joke. And then churches, along with KBC, uh, have removed the invitation stuff at the end of the service, like coming down the aisle and either sharing that you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, or I we want to join the church, or I want to be baptized. That part has been cut out pretty much completely, because for the past year before meeting back in person, what were you going to do? You know, ask people to drive into the parking lot and like honk their horns if they want to <laughs> accept Christ or something like that. So... It was really interesting. With every head bowed and eyes closed, <laughs> drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Honk your horn, but we won't know which one. Yeah. <laughs> Just slip that car into the parking lot right now. I see that car. I see that yeah. car. And and it was, you know, I've read other articles that kind of have similar things about what they're doing at their church. Um, you know, some churches are actually, there, there's one story that I heard, kind of rumor. If anyone listening knows who this is, I would love to know. Like, you could send us an email that they like sold their entire church building and just bought a production studio so that they could do everything online. And they were like, we cut overhead. We don't have a building anymore. It's great. Um, I know a, a church at, at FBC Columbia, Missouri, um, who, you know, some of our staff members have some connections, like they moved the camera for live streaming down to eye level. So the pastor doesn't have to look up into the balcony anymore. They can just look across and it looks like they're preaching normally to everyone and doesn't have to look at two different you know places for for this. So all of that said, there's I'm sure there's other stuff out there, but you know, what are kind of your thoughts, Jeremy, Jordan, about these things that we're hearing or seeing churches do for worship? I'm encouraged just to see any church thinking creatively. Um, now I think a lot of us are are missing. Some of the things that we've talked about, people are trusting the technology without thinking that it will do anything to them, that it alters their message to do it over Zoom or something like that. But I'm, I'm thankful anytime the church thinks uh, and tries and explores and experiments because institutions often fail to do that and get stuck. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I just feel like, look, the pandemic did not create any of the concerns that are driving these changes, right? Like pastors have been concerned about people not coming to church <laughs> for a long Always. time. Dwindling numbers are not a new problem, especially for mainline denominations. We know this. 
I think the pandemic honestly has just accelerated these problems and sort of made us face them, forced us to face these existential fears that we have about the future of the church. And I think, I mean, I don't I think unfortunately, sometimes we're witnessing some bad responses to those fears. I think all of them have great intentions. Some of them are good, but ultimately I would like to see more theological reflection about what the church is for, like what exactly is a worship service for, um, or how do we maintain our identity in a secularized world? Or how do we, how do we, like, is it just for sharing the gospel? Is that why we worship on Sunday mornings? Is it about ministering to people in the church? Is it about ministering to people outside the church? Um, I just, I don't see, I see a lot of innovation, but I don't see a lot of people talking about the mission behind those innovations. It seems like it's just, let's get more people in here or let's get more eyes on the service. Right. I think there's a lot of mission drift um, because of that. We A lot of churches have. Wait, what do you mean by mission drift? I think, so like, um, I preached on this yesterday, so don't let me start preaching. No, um, I'll I'll cut you off if you're all right. Awesome. Past so sixteen minutes. Town views. <laughs> yeah, only give me a sixteen minute yeah. sermon here. Yesterday I I went long. Oops. Um, our mission statement includes the phrase that we're participating with God in building a community. A lot of churches have given up sort of not the language of community, but they've moved their value from community to maybe a platform that we're building mm -hmm. an audience with God rather than we're building a, a community with all mm -hmm. of the, the decentralization of our Christian experience. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's pretty easy for evangelical churches to just, if we're talking about audiences or building, you know, a, a large group of, of things, I mean, uh, Franklin Graham is coming through St. Louis right now. And the idea is like, we're just trying to get as many people as possible to hear as much, like to hear the word that we have to say so that everyone will become Christians. And, you know, if, if that's truly the purpose of, if you theologically believe that that is the purpose of your church or of your community, and there's not really much, like that's the most important thing ever and there's nothing else really that you as a church need to do then i totally get like yeah just put it all online so more and more people can hear it as e easily as they can um but i i think it's i think i like where you're going jordan of like what i'm not hearing from a lot of people or a lot of people in leadership like a lot of big time senior pastors throughout churches throughout especially the southeast since we're a part of the cooperative baptist fellowship is thinking about it theologically of what we want to do and then deciding how to be creative in achieving that with maybe with technology or other ways but instead sometimes it's like well you know the technology and the way that people interact with it are forcing us to do these things that we might not mm -hmm. want to do. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I, I probably don't want the service to be an hour, but nobody will watch it for an hour. So we might, we like, so because of that, we don't want to lose people. So we're just going to cut it down to 45 minutes so that we keep them. And I don't think that's really, I, I like what you're saying, Jeremy, that our, a lot of churches are being creative, but I don't think that's really that creative. I think that's just kind of like, 
And that's a utilitarian move. Yeah, it's just kind of like this is what we have to do if we want to keep people here. I don't really, I don't see how that's being cre- like creatively solving an issue, which the deeper issue I'm hearing in something like that is we wish people would like find an hour like or would have this time to be not something that's inconveniencing them, but it's something like meaningful and impactful. Mm-hmm. And then how can we be creative to create that space? Um, so yeah, I let, let's, let's go into like what with at your church, Jeremy, or at your church, Jordan, or my church, you know, what ways do we feel like, um, technology itself is pushing the church which direction which ways do we feel like the technology is pushing the church in um is our technologies trying to direct us and how we should conduct worship services and if so um how is that um because i want to i want to ask that question in relation to our first season well i mean I guess the low hanging fruit here is the attention span thing. I mean, I just keep thinking about that and how when we're watching online, even when we're seeing people's faces, we're like our, our mirror neurons are not firing, right? Cause we're not like seeing somebody's eyes. So we don't have like something neurobiologically to spark our interest and our presence in the moment. And so I just wonder if, because these technologies, I mean, we use them all day long to get things done really quickly, right? like their purpose is efficiency in so many ways that when we hop on the same YouTube platform to watch church, is that not also forming us to want church quicker? So that's something that I think of immediately. I mean, I think, I think if the goal of a church service is to train our attention on God, right? We have to think about how is the platform enabling or detracting from the possibility of training people's attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thinking about that specifically, I, I've been, I track the retention rates on our Sunday live stream. And you can look at different users and see this computer skipped all the music, <laughs> listened to the sermon, and left. Yeah. This computer only likes the hymns and only listens <laughs> when the older preacher is preaching. <laughs> this computer sees that the older preacher is preaching and only listens to the music this pr- like and then hops people off, yeah. get to curate their experience when that's not how it's not how yeah. these things are supposed to work um especially right. with like the kind of worship diversity that townview tries to create involves the use of multiple liturgical elements involves multiple yeah. musical styles we have multiple preachers cuz we think multiple voices are better. Uh, men and women are always on the platform. There's corporate prayer. There's repeated um, communal prayers. Um, okay, so, so moments of meditation that use voices from traditions that are completely foreign to most Baptists. Yeah. And we want the, the diversity to be experienced because there's learning in that. But when you can say well i i only like this and this yep. and uh-huh. this you lose that's those things go ahead jordan and what you also lose which i think is so important but overlooked is all of the time that we think of as wasted space in a service or when we're it's like the moment before someone gets up to say have i said that i feel like i've said this before maybe in season one when someone like gets up to read a scripture but like 
they take a second and you're like, oh no, did they forget? <laughs> and it makes you pause and you just are reminded like, look, I'm not the center of the universe here. Mm. Like we're a community. Or when the kids go up and open the Bible at the beginning of the service yeah. or when I think what's really meaningful for me is when I'm watching people go up to take communion and you're seeing every single member of your congregation who's there that day walk up and receive the elements. And how beautiful is that to see? I don't get to just skip these like three to five minutes of watching people walk through the service. Like this is actually a part of it. Okay. So if, if you're, uh, okay, I, I agree with all of that. So I'm thinking now, all right, I'm a pastor at a church and I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, I, I agree with that. But like, what in the world do I do? Like I, people are, there's plenty of people watching online. What am I going to do about it? You know, how can I have them engage in a, in a better way if I can't, you know, maybe they can't be there in person for safety reasons, or maybe they would prefer not to be online. How do I, how do I be creative? Like you're saying, Jeremy, in finding ways to push our worship service in that direction while part of the technology is and the way that we consume information in today's age is pushing us to go in the more efficient route. Um, I, I think a lot of podcasts and a lot of people like are really good at answering, asking these questions, but I hope that for like, I hope for our listeners, we can at least provide not God's word on what the answers are, but some of our ideas of how we might answer these questions. So the question, yeah, the question would be like, how do we address that? Let's just use that specifically. Like there are people that are hopping on and hopping off at different times and people aren't experiencing the full service and we plan the service and we think the full service in its entirety, whether or not you like the sermon or the, the hymns more has something impactful if you experience all of it together. What I've been up to is talking about it, naming the values behind why we curate that mm. experience that way, what what we're thinking about as um, the ministers building the service, what our prayers throughout the week are, why we think the Spirit is guiding us in a certain way, and what we gain from it. Now, maybe people click through those explanations, <laughs> um, but I'm trying to talk about it. Yeah. And show, and this is with everything going on right now, all of our pandemic changes. I've been trying to talk about the values that motivate the decisions mm. rather than like, obviously, we wear masks to keep from sneezing in each other's mouths. But the, <laughs> I talk about masks as a sign of hospitality and a tool for evangelism. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Jordan, what about you? Um, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say too. I think we underestimate sometimes the 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 ability of our congregations to kind of get on board with some of these ideas. You think people can't get it, or they're not theologically trained, or whatever. But people understand values. I mean, everybody can get what we're talking about on this podcast. Um, and I think just sharing that with a congregation goes a long way in in helping people buy into what you're trying to do. And I think it also makes 
makes us hold church leaders accountable to preserving what should be preserved and not just preserving the non-essential things. I mean, sometimes I feel like streaming is just preserving the non-essential yeah. Um, versus the community and the deeper values-driven parts of our services. So I, I think cluing in everyone in the community to the values that we're trying to preserve will hold everyone accountable to doing that. That's that's a, a good point. Like I uh, I recently got uh, my grandmother, her sister that lives in Wa- Washington, well, no, not Washington, Oregon, um, their pastor sent a pretty cool email that they forwarded to me to their church of like, Hey, look, we've noticed that, um, you know, either you're not really worshiping with us online during the actual time, or you're not here in person recently. And we really feel like it's important for our community to do this together. And it had a whole other list, but, um, and it had a theological explanation of why. And I thought, you know, sometimes as, as a pastor, I don't think of taking sometimes the most direct route. And sometimes like that is part of being a leader is taking a more direct uh, route of saying, Hey, this is actually really, really important. And here's why, and here's why we think we're important. So tune in when it starts and don't skip over the stuff. Um, my initial reaction is to be more subversive and just say, <laughs> we're only going to offer the online service uh, during the hour and you can only watch it live. And then we don't provide it uh, afterwards. You know, that's another option. I mean, I, I would be interested to see what that would be like. Now you could make it available for some people like homebound members that can't access it or, or, or you know, and set your YouTube channel for passcode or whatever the case is. But I've thought of that before of like, well, what if we just only offered it online and you can watch it online if you have to, but if you're not there on a Sunday morning, at that time, it's not available for you to watch mm-hmm. on a Tuesday during your you do soccer as, game. as an event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I, of a couple churches that are doing that, um, but I frequently, when dealing with a congregation I trust, I, I implement that you have not because you ask not philosophy. Yeah, it, talk a little bit more about that, Jeremy. Well, you got. I think we do best when we shoot straight with our people. Mm. Um, and that, that's how I want to be dealt with. I don't want to be danced with or coerced, Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be subversive in here. And some, sometimes there's, there's a time for subversion and subtlety, but a lot of times with the things that are important, I think you just got to say them out loud. Um, something that um, stuck with me that a church consultant said one time, I'm thinking about an event 10 years ago, but she said, I've never met a church that didn't have money for things that were important. Hmm. And, and her, her like whole thing was you stand up on a Sunday and you say, we need 28 grand. I need 28 of you to donate $1,000 in the next two weeks um, because this is why. And she says, I, they almost always works. Yeah. Um, going direct with values and purpose on the important things. Yeah. People, people respond to that uh, directness. And I, I've been curious about that through the week thing as well. Cause we have, we have a number 
on Sundays that are in the building masked up and socially distanced. Yeah. And that is a third of our total attendance if you count online. There's like 50 of us in the building and 150 of us online. But only about 40 of those online views happen in the 11 o'clock hour. Everyone out the next 50% like trickle yeah. in throughout Sunday and then the rest are through the week. And some people do it in chunks because you can watch that retention rate. You'll see there's a bunch of computers that do 20 minutes on Sunday evening and 20 minutes on Wednesday and, and consume the service that way. Yeah. And, and so if, if, for example, someone's consuming the service that way, what do you feel like, does that change the worship experience? Does that change how people engage? Um, I know we kind of already addressed this, but I'm, I'm moving into this idea of like, what ways do we, do we feel like our theology, not the technology that we're using and this idea of what it means to be a church, our ecclesiology is pushing our church in, you know, what's the purpose what, what do we feel like the purpose and value of worship really is? And I, you know, we're going to share our thoughts, but also for our listeners, that's maybe a question that needs to be asked first before you do the creative things, because that leads you in the direction that you, you know, that's, that's kind of more of your North star is what I would say is like, what is the purpose and value of the worship service at your church? And then from there, let the tools that you have available guide you in that direction. Um, what about you, Jordan? You're, you're not, you're, you know, Jordan's Episcopalian. So she has, uh, a more mainline, um, uh, well, I, Episcopalian's mainline, right? Oh man, I'm doing terrible. It's like, it's Taylor. No, cut this part out. No, cut this part out. Baptists aren't <laughs> Protestant and Episcopals aren't mainline. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I would say, I would say we, we don't necessarily identify as mainline, but we probably are. I mean, probably Episcopalians are. like to just say, look, we have an Anglican heritage, which means we're not Protestant, but we're not Catholic. <laughs> yeah. We're just not a part of any of your problems. Um, what What was your question for me, though? You know, I, like, what's skipped... the purpose and value of worship, especially like in oh, the Episcopalian yeah, yeah. tradition? And before, before you answer that, could you talk for, because I'm thinking, so for our audience, yeah. like Taylor and I, are working in Baptist churches where the climax of the worship experience is usually the sermon, the mm -hmm. word proclaimed. Can you talk about how that might be different in your tradition, Jordan, and how yeah. that, and I, I bet that affects what you mean when you say that the streaming preserves the non-essential and misses yeah, the yeah, essential. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you do that dance for us? Yeah, so one of the main differences like you're highlighting is that for us, the the sort of pinnacle of the service is the Eucharist, it's communion. So it's not the sermon. The sermon's actually a lot sh shorter and it's towards the beginning of the service before we even prepare for the Eucharist. So the sermon comes after the readings of scripture. Um, and it's sort of the purpose of the sermon is to sort of expand on the word of God, right? Like to sort of think through the word of God through, through the preaching. And then uh, beyond that, we move into the prayers before communion and prepare ourselves for communion. Um, the confession and passing of the peace are part of that preparation for communion. And then after communion, there's very little left to do. There's just the post-communion prayer and a hymn, right? Because that's that's it. That's what you're here for. Um, and so 
having that sort of sacramental orientation around the Eucharist means that there's a much different idea of the, maybe, of the essential versus the non-essential things. Um, we did cut out hymn singing for the pandemic, and in my church, we're just now starting to sing some hymns again. I guess the idea there being the risk was greater than the uh, reward of singing hymns. <laughs> um, but I think the the preaching could absolutely also be left out of a service, and it would still be an Episcopal worship service. So that's a very different thing from what you guys experience. Yeah. Yeah, because um, in the Baptist tradition, you're right, Jeremy, like the main, you know, everything kind of leads up to the sermon. It Traditionally, if you look at where the sermon's placed, it's where the climax would be for a story, mm -hmm. right? You and have where's all the this pulpit in a Baptist sanctuary? It's smack dab in the center, right? And in the Episcopal Ours Church, to the side. it's to the side. Yeah, and the what's altar. in the center is the altar. Yep. And so there's... I, if we're talking about being creative with worship and what we want to convey our values, whether it's through technology or not, like this is another example. I think we talked a little bit in season one is like the physical locations of things and the way that your sanctuary space looks and is created emphasizes some of the values that you have as a church and what it means to worship. So that's another thing to keep on the side. If you're looking for ways to be creative and thoughtful and engaging to your community that's a whole nother area to be thinking about um yeah i i think i think in the baptist church um the value and purpose of worship isn't just the sermon um music is a huge part singing singing um i think a lot of people more than anywhere else other than the sermon get their theology from the music mm -hmm. so depending on what type of church you're at a ton of your theology kind of is learned to the side with what songs and music that you're singing. Um, but I also, you know, the idea of like being in a space with a group of people that you've decided to be in community with to come together and acknowledge and worship and try to experience God at a time is something really special. And I think is part of what worship is you, you know, a business meeting, is not a time where you come together to experience God necessarily. It's a time to like decide if you need to fix something or what, you know, who to hire, or maybe indirectly you experience God in that. But worship is very like present in that idea. And maybe it's even a time of expressing yourself and what, what you feel about God to others in, in the space and providing that time and then being re reminded of God's love and, forgiveness and grace, I think is really important. I don't know. What about you, Jeremy? What was the question in there? I you was know, listening really carefully purpose? to what you yeah. were saying. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what is the purpose and value of worship? Cause this is kind of like that question to a degree for church, for staff members, especially in pastors is a question that needs to be talked about and answered to help you navigate which direction you're going to go in, you know? That's going to determine if you're going to like how, how and what you might live stream or what type of technologies you bring in. Um, and if, if you, and then you want to make sure that if you're bringing in certain things, it doesn't take away from the value and purpose of what your church believes worship is about. Right. And so like we, we do live stream here and it does stay up all week, like I mentioned, but I think the more removed you are from the event 
of it, the harder it becomes to actually connect with what's happening in the, that service space. Because I do, we, we sort of enter that liminal space uh, between worlds when we walk into uh, that worship setting and we decide that we're going to be here, that our heart, our mind, our soul, our body are going to be focused on connection with our neighbor and with God, uh, that that's a different kind of thing. And you can enjoy the music later and you can learn from the sermon later. Um, and you could, it's communion online is hard. Uh, that gets super <laughs> weird and finicky. Uh, but you can eat a cracker at the same time as the person on the screen. But there is something about experiencing as a community. There is something about, all, well, this is yeah. bad language. There's something about being trapped together. I yeah. used to, the, I've stopped using this language because it's really, it's definitely problematic with a, a, the pandemic, but I used to say that we're conspiring when we gather <laughs> and that we're literally breathing together. When we're stuck in that room, we're united in such an intimate way that the breath that comes out of my lungs eventually finds its way into yours. Yeah, it doesn't we work. Conspire together. <laughs> we conspire together. Then I put a mask on and the metaphor doesn't work anymore. Yeah. But I think, you know, like you said, with the communion, you know, that's a very Baptist theology and ecclesiology of communion. So if you're an Episcopalian or a Catholic, right, you know, you have to have that priest to bless mm -hmm. it. You have to have that space to receive it, um, which is different. So that, you know, that's some differences depending on your church tradition. You might answer that differently, which I think is important. Um, but the, the crazy thing and. I think if people are listening, they go, yeah, but what about so-and-so? Or what about this? You know, for us, we have homebound members that can't make it to worship. We have um, people that have compromised immunity within their families. So they can't come to worship out of safety. Um, we have some people that stay home because it's a lot more convenient and they don't like their glasses to get fogged up with the mask. And it's hard to read things. And I get that. Like, it is hard to read things if you're wearing glasses and it's fogging up. Um, we have some people that just like to stay home. And it's so great to watch worship while you drink your cup of coffee. Um, and then, Jeremy, we were talking a while back. Your church, it's open and supportive of the LGBTQ community. You have people that are watching online because you're the closest Baptist church that welcomes LGBTQ people and, like, two hours away like yeah the closest thing that some people have right yeah there's there are folks that drive a long way to come here but there are folks scattered around the country and a few internationally who can't find a church where they feel safe um a lot of these are uh families living in rural parts of the country where they can't find a church near them that is affirming or like i said even safe for their family. And so they worship with us uh, online. They live stream that service and they show up for Zoom Bible studies and they have scheduled phone calls with the pastors because we're trying to find ways to be their church. But that's really weird and that's really hard. And there's like, I, I there was someone who is worshiping with us regularly online who lives in a major metropolitan center uh, in the Northeast. And they were saying, I just wish there was a church like yours that I could go to. And I was like, look, there is. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me help you. We will we'll call a couple of them. We'll find where you fit. 
I love you. I'm glad you're with us. You need a church. So, so yeah. why, why, why is that, Jeremy? I think some people would say, like, why can't, why, what's wrong with them just coming in and worshiping? Uh, what's the difference between that and them going and finding a church in person where they live? You need a place where you can be known. And it's sort of like Jordan was saying, there, there's our brains do something different in front of humans than they do pictures of humans. You need, I think you need to be more uncomfortable more frequently than Zoom allows. I think you need to be slightly inconvenienced every so often in ways that showing up on Zoom, on like Facebook Live a few days later doesn't let you. And you, you need a place where you can work, where you can do ministry and be held accountable. And I can't really offer that to someone who lives in Minneapolis. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Especially if they have an alternative. And that's the thing. This person, we did find them a church. They are going there. Um, and I hear from them every so often, but they have a pastor. They have a small group. They have people that eventually can know them in a way that you couldn't online. But then there are families that don't have that opportunity. Um, and we bend over backwards to try to build community for them and make sure that they're included and aren't just a face behind a screen. Yeah, I think that highlights another thing that's um, different, fundamentally different about people watching online is the anonymity of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the way it's sort of when you have part of the congregation in person and part online, it kind of creates this, um, I don't know, like this diaspora in a way, like that's a bad word, but like it just kind like of creates it. like... It sounds extreme, but there's people in my congregation I have never seen because I joined the church that I'm at now during pandemic. Yeah. And they're online and I'm not. And like, I will never know them. Right. Like until who knows when this is all over and we all come back. And so it creates this fracturing of the community and it also creates an anonymity. I can very easily not go to church. It's so easy to not go to church. No one knows. No one knows if I watched online. Like, oh, I hope she watched online today, but they probably don't even think about me because I'm not there, right? Like, it just creates a, a fundamentally different experience, I think, when you when you have that option for people. And of course, I'm talking about like people who can go in person and are mm -hmm. choosing the convenience factor. I recognize that, you know, there are people who can't who can't come who are immunocompromised or someone in their family is. And so I think that's a different conversation and kind of what you're saying, Jeremy, maybe it's a contingency plan for some people. If they don't have another option, we'll work for you to, to make this your community, but it's not going to be ideal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, like, you're right about like missing people. The, I, I keep my photo directory. It's, it's right over here on the shelf. Cause I look at every day to just remember people. It's so easy to, to, <laughs> to forget, when you don't see yeah. them. And that's the way that we've I've been programmed by church to think about my church are the people I see. Yeah. Um, and so many folks have joined during the um during the pandemic. I mean, just this month we've got in the last six weeks, been a bunch of new members, a couple baptisms. They don't know most of the congregation. Yeah. Um, and a specific wrinkle for Townview 
is many of our members left over our inclusion decision just before the pandemic happened. And so yeah. there's like people that are that you don't see for the folks that are in the building. There's this like air of mystery. Did they leave? <laughs> Did they die? Are they worshiping online? Are they watching are, online. Right? Like where yeah. there's so many options for where they could be. Yeah. I so you know, I get to this part in the conversation with people and then they go, "Well, are we just going to get rid of the live stream? Are we going to get rid of the technologies in our church? Like is that what you want, Taylor? Like do you just want to get rid of it and just like only be in person uh and none of this other stuff and I think that's a valid question after I have this I get to this point in the conversation because you know am I going to let am I going to get rid of the live stream so June Harder who's in her 90s who can't come to church can't be at worship after she's told me every Sunday morning she has her candle for the Christ candle she has her hymnal out she has the worship guide ready to go and she has the prayer letter that comes in, the, you know, all there. And she's like in her communion stuff when we do communion. Like I would never as a pastor take that away from her because that is her community because she's lived and grown up and knows the language of this community. So I would say to that question, no, I'm not going to take that away for June. Um, what about visitors? You know, um, what about people that just want to experience the church? You know, if they want to hop on the live stream to get a to discover whether or not we're a traditional or contemporary church. Like, yeah, that's fine. I'm probably not going to spend um, hours in the service, making sure that everything is tailored to their needs or addressed. I'm going to spend a lot more of my resources time focusing on the people in the pews. Um, what about people for safety reasons? Yeah. If you right now we're in the middle of a pandemic, if you need to stay home, this option's available for you. What about people that just prefer it? That's like really where I start to get, for myself as a minister of like, there's something that you have the ability to be a part of that's life-changing, which is a, a worship service. And I'm afraid of creating a space that makes it too easy and convenient for you to miss it mm -hmm. and not be a part of it. But culturally within the church world, we're saying that you're getting everything still, like you're still getting the full experience of worship. And I'm hearing a lot of people saying we need to make these changes because the people that don't want to come to church on a Sunday morning never will. And this is the only way that we can provide it for them. And I'm kind of like saying, well, we're not really providing them the same thing. We're not providing them like for someone like June Harder and homebound members, this is what we have. But if we just go, all right, we're done with that. Like high fives. We've cared for our homebound members. And all it is is a live stream one, you know, one hour a week and nobody's calling them or visiting or checking in and making sure their needs are being met as a community. Then like, I don't think we've solved the issue. It's the more uncomfortable, the more difficult things to do for those people. If they're immunocompromised, when was the last time someone in our church just said, Hey, we, I know you can't come, but we miss you. Um, versus like, Hey, we've provided this online resource for people for worship they're watching it. Our numbers are up. We're all good to go. They're experiencing God just like they would if they could be in community. Um, and it's so it's so complex, I think, from a ministerial side of like, I don't think I just throw out the live stream, but I would be really, I would have a lot of thought into like 
how much resource and time and uh, you know, what is my language during worship is being said to people online versus in person? How often are we addressing the camera versus addressing the people? Uh, is your language becoming more generic and not communal, right? Like that's one thing that I've talked with, uh, you know, Matt, our pastor here has said, he's like, I'm not going to start, I'm going to say things that like, if you're not a part of our community, it might not make sense necessarily. Like, because I'm preaching to this congregation. I'm not, if other people in the world want to come in and listen, that's fine, but I'm not preaching to them. Like I'm preaching to this community that we live together and breathe together, you know, in that way that you're saying, Jeremy. And that's, that's so hard because it's so complicated right now. And I, I get why people want to ask like, well, you're just going to get rid of the live stream. And I'm like, ah, yes and no. Like, I, I don't know. Like what, I mean, Jordan, you're, you had your head shake in different ways. <laughs> Yes and no while I was going on a little rant. Um, look, I I'm always tempted to be the extreme one in this conversation and say, look, live streaming should it, it's not accomplishing all the purposes of church, so let's not do it. But that's a little bit too extreme. It's accomplishing some of the purposes of church, right? It's it's bringing in people who like your example of a homebound member who are actively participating in the only way that they can, as long as it's supplemented by people actually coming to her, right? Mm. Like, let's not use this to say, oh, we've ministered to our homebound members and Mm -hmm. our, you know, compromised members because we allow them to watch the service. No, like that might be one element of it to make them feel connected, but that's not the full connection, right? We have to go to them in whatever way we can. And so I, I think, I think while I'm tempted to say, let's stop live streaming, ideally, um, we can't necessarily do that, but what we can do is supplement it with a whole lot of other communal practices that I think we need during this time. Okay. So let me tell you about my big temptation with all of this. Yeah. The, the voice in my head says the same thing to most of my problems and that's work harder. Hmm. Um, put in more hours, do more. And I'm exhausted. So like, and I think most people listening that are ministers are feeling the exact same. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're just like burnt, like burnt to the core, like exhausted with all of the work that people have put in for the past year and a half. So there, I think a lot of us are facing that temptation because we know that there needs to be something other. So we do our full-time job and it makes the the normal rhythm of church happen. Mm-hmm. But we also that's not enough right now mm. to cause that language is bad. Um, no, no, I think like, well, I think this is why, me. I think this is why it's important for church to be filled with human bodies because part of the church community is to take care of each other. And it can't just be the role of the ministers to do everything. Um, You know, you need other church members that are probably going to be in the church longer than the ministers are Mm -hmm. in the long run to know and to continue to care for each other. And it, there's so many needs and cares that should be met for a church community that, are really impossible to do through like virtual things. Um, you know, 
transportation for a lot of people or um I don't know. Like, there's just so many people that I, that I know, I know this is hard with the pandemic, but like touch, like just being touched and cared for and given a hug or a high five or a a handshake or even an elbow bump for so many church members like that, that human to human experience is almost like has a, a spiritual impact, but it has to be done by a group of people, not just three or four ministers that are at the church. Right. And I just, I can see like the technological thing making the work that we do as ministers a little bit more efficient, which then allows us, like, then it says, well, you have more time in the day to pack in with more of the things, right? So now, like, you can hop on 12 Sunday school classrooms instead of just teach one on a Sunday morning, you know? You can hop into all of them and you can lead them and then you can put, uh, you can reach out to your different church members online instead of going to see them for coffee. And but you know what the thing is, though, about all of that is that it it might be more efficient and more possible for you to physically be in all those, well, not physically, <laughs> to virtually be in all those places at once, but it's actually exponentially more exhausting. Mm. Just biologically, how our brains work, you know, when you're on a Zoom call, it's more exhausting than being in an in-person meeting. And you add 12 Sunday schools, I mean come on. Like, yes, it enables you to be there more, but it does not necessarily give you the energy that you would need to be present in all those places. Um, And another comment that I was thinking as you were talking is, it seems like you guys as Baptists have a lot of resources to say, look, the congregation is the one. Mm. You guys are leading this church, right? It's congregational. It's... um, you know, there's a lot of lay leaders in Baptist churches. So do you see that being an asset for you guys and kind of galvanizing the community to help each other? Anytime I can get, oh, sorry, anytime, go, go I, can for get, it, man. anytime I can get someone else to, to participate and, um, do, uh, it sounds terrible, like do work that I don't have to do. That's not what I'm saying, but like to broaden the amount of people that can care for one another. I just know on a ideally, like rationally, you can just do more that way. And and it can be, but part of a ministerial side is you have to be thoughtful in how you care for and train the people to do these things, right? Because sometimes they might be doing things that are very intimate or very difficult, like praying for people through very difficult times. Mm. So you have to be very intentional with how you train like your lay leaders or your uh, deacons, if you're in the Baptist church or other churches or um, elders or whatever that is. And you, you want to make sure that they have the resources that they need to do that versus just saying, all right, go hang out with all the homebound members and we don't provide them resources Mm -hmm. and some training to do that. Well, Um, because sometimes like myself, like I'll want to do it myself because I've been trained and I know how I want it done. But I end up and you could do it better. That, yeah. That's a dirty little secret of delegation. <laughs> yeah. But then then you're like then you're like Bilbo Baggins. I'm gonna throw a Lord of the Rings where you're like like a little piece of butter spread across too much bread. Oh. You know? And you're just and and so many ministers I think feel that way. I think way that right was now. Frodo though. Wasn't it Frodo that said Uh-oh. that? Um, and he felt like well, he was a piece Listeners of write in and let us know what you think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bilbo is saying that to Frodo about carrying the ring for a long period of time. Oh, um, I, I thought it was Frodo. But maybe maybe I'm wrong and maybe it is Frodo. I bet you're right. 
I thought it was Harry Potter. Ah, there we go. <laughs> okay, so all that to say, ministers and church members that have been working through this pandemic, grace abounds. You've been working so hard, and these conversations aren't easy, and we know that. Um, and you know, you deserve rest, and you deserve grace. You deserve a lot of appreciation that maybe your churches aren't providing you because for some people, all they're seeing is a worship service on a Sunday morning online and you're doing a really great job. Um, and we want you to know that because this is not easy and there's not, you know, this is hard and we're all in this together. So, um, we just want to share that with you. So anything else you guys want to say about worship? Um, uh, I know we've kind of drilled down on that. If we miss something uh, and you still have a question as a listener, write into us and we can address that later. Jeremy, Jordan, anything else that you want to say to kind of wrap it up or final thought? Um, I guess I'll say as a final thought, I, I know you had kind of uh, thought about asking us the question this episode, like where do we go from here yeah. with worship? And um, we didn't get a a ton of time to talk about that. But I think there's this idea that we have that sort of this change is inevitable and that mm. we have to sort of move forward with the times, right? And I've kind of heard oh pastors say that a lot. I hear that all the time. Like it's inevitable. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, we we just have to do it whether we want to or not. Right. Like our hands are being tied behind our backs kind of thing. Um, and some of it is also like the attention span thing, you know, like, oh, the attention spans are low. We just, we have to shorten our services. There's nothing we can do about it. And I just think, you know, this idea that technological change is inevitable is sort of a, a false narrative that we have as a culture. And I, I wonder if we can't push back against that a little bit and say, technology is never inevitable. We always make choices. And change is inevitable. It's a part of life, but we can choose how we respond to, to that change and whether or not to use technologies. I mean, I guess that's the point of our whole season one <laughs> uh, podcast. But um, yeah, I think we're capable of listening to the Holy Spirit and, and making values-based decisions on how we, you know, how we build our worship services. So yeah, if we choose to be that. those people who are governed by a Holy Spirit-led sense of values, it allows us to be actors rather than reactors in the world. Yeah. And I think even before the pandemic, like people felt that way about the church in general, like they were all reactors, right? Like we're just kind of, oh, now that, you know, sports is so big of a deal, we have to react to that and figure out a way to do church differently. And do you mean because people would watch sports instead of church? I'm trying or like, to figure out. I, I'm, I'm using that as a as a youth reference. I was about to say right? he's like, a youth okay. minister. He's yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. Sunday practice and yeah, like travel oh, ball we got sports. And... We got this or that, and that was happening way before I even started doing church ministry. Um, but yeah, like oh, so let's react to that by like reducing the times we get together and shortening our time that we have together and. Um, versus, I like what you're saying, Jeremy. Like you become actors. You actually. Uh, move forward and you don't have to wait to react to things when you're listening to the Holy Spirit guiding your church. You can just make those actions uh, regardless of, of what's going on. And I think that's a really cool and empowering uh, theological thought. All right. Yeah, um, 
at the end of all of our episodes for season one, we we did something kind of fun uh, because we were at the beginning of the pandemic and it was really sad and we're still in a pandemic and it's still, still quite really sad. sad. <laughs> so we're going to end all of our uh, episodes with a little section of hope in the world. Um, so we're going to each share just a little snippet of where we see hope in the world right now. And we hope that it provides you uh, with some hope too in the world. So um, I'll go first. Uh, where I've been seeing hope in the world is last night we had this big, uh, we called it picnic playhouse. People brought a picnic on the lawn. We had a nice little concert. One of our church members uh, wrote a poetry and essay book and did a wonderful job. And she uh, has to have like a call ride to come pick her up. And we finished around seven and her bus wasn't coming till eight fifteen. And another church member, uh, was leaving and realized that. So he grabbed his camp chair and sat out with her for like a whole hour and, and a half until her bus came. And I just saw that. And I was like, you know, when people share love, like, and care for one another like that, like there is always hope that the world's going to be a good place. And that was really something special. So, um, that's my hope in the world. What about you, Jeremy? There is an adult tricycle in my janitor's closet. Is that is that it? Hopefully. That's great. I love it. So, uh, that's it. You're like, all right, Jordan. <laughs> Wouldn't that make you happy if you I went into a closet to get uh, Clorox and there was a giant tricycle? Did you just so, discover this? <laughs> I I encountered it for the first time Sunday, and so of course, quite curious. So a few months ago, months ago, our um, worship leader went on vacation with his family, and he has a, a severely autistic daughter. Um, wonderful young woman, but she's been struggling. So the pandemic has been horrible on special needs families. Yeah. All of their coping mechanisms and support network have been stripped away. Um, and they feel like they're going backwards. Uh, and they went on vacation and discovered that she could ride one of those big tricycles Ooh. and that she like found so that like that's stimulating in every way she needs and it's productive and she can do it with her family and she loved it, but they're too expensive. And they said, so they just told this story on social media, like six months ago. And someone in the church saw one at a garage sale and remembered them from Facebook months and months ago. And now it's in the closet waiting for us to find a way to get it uh, home with them. Oh, oh that's my so gosh. Awesome. And that's, that's just so cool. Sometimes church works. Sometimes it does. Yeah. And sometimes it looks like candles and uh, wine. And sometimes it looks like a bicycle, a tricycle in the janitor's closet. <laughs> there can be that's a lot awesome. of gospel hiding in the closet. Tweet oh, that. <laughs> um, well, I was going to talk about the huge wave of refugees from Afghanistan we're getting here in St. Louis. St. Louis is one of, I think, six places in the U.S. that uh, the government's asking us to take a bunch of refugees, and they're coming now. And I've been seeing all these news stories that the um, International Institute, or I forget mm -hmm. what it's called, yeah. that takes them. Um, they've gotten so many donations. They don't even know what to do. They're like, we have 5,000 items that have just come in the last two weeks. Oh, wow. We have like $150,000 people have just given us in the past two weeks. Like we don't know where all this is coming from. Um, and I just thought that was so cool. Like my first thought in hearing all the news stories about these, you know, 
people from Afghanistan having to be resettled, just like, oh, they're going to get here and, you know, it's going to be awful and such a nightmare. How can I help? And so it's been really encouraging to see people in our city doing something about it. Yeah. And uh, I, it is the International Institute of St. Louis. So if anyone's listening and wants to figure out how to support, you can donate that. Yeah. Yep. Well, Jeremy, Jordan, uh, it's been great seeing you guys again. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. Also, uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our conversations, please, please, please subscribe to our podcast if you have not done so already for new episodes. Leave a comment on our podcast page. Uh, Feel free to rate us on iTunes or Spotify. Next uh, time, we're going to talk about small groups and Sunday school meetings um, and how our churches are navigating that world and our our thoughts on that and, and moving forward. We want to know how is your church navigating uh, Sunday school or small groups? Um, are they meeting online only? Are they, is it hybrid version? Are you all back in person? Let us know. You can do that by, by emailing us at virtuallychurch at gmail.com or leaving us a comment on our Facebook page. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook to get updates of upcoming podcasts, uh, maybe a little extra resources. And I know Jeremy in the past has, posted some behind the scenes stuff so feel free to go there and check us out so and finally virtuallychurch at gmail.com if you need to get a hold of us thank you so much for listening we're so excited we're back for season two and uh we'll see you in the next episode